Welcome back, loyal listeners. Welcome, new listeners, to How I Met Your Podcast, where Runkle recaps. We're recapping Season 4, Episode 22, Right Place, Right Time. With me, as always, the lovely Jen. Hello. Thoughts on Right Place, Right Time? It was a very good episode. I enjoyed it. I thought there was some good classic stuff that we repeat a lot Mm -hmm. that I enjoyed in this. They did that thing again where they try and manipulate us into thinking that this episode has huge consequences to him meeting their mother. And And they try and really fool us at the end. Right. And it sort of does. We can get into it, I guess, at the end. Right. I thought about that, too. And there's a very light connection that they could point to to say this was a consequential meeting. I'd say it's more than light, but we'll we'll see what our you know, each of our theories are at the end. Okay. I don't have any trivia up front. Robin's or Kobe Smulders is still pregnant, uh, which is funny because on the show they not both now <laughs> they both guess that she's pregnant during the show as the characters. Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Anything else that was you know? There's still no Lily. Right. Yeah, it's been a long time without Lily. Which is unusual because we get a lot of flashbacks in, in scenes that you right. really would typically be in. But. Yeah, I was thinking about that with like the intervention. Clearly, yeah, exactly, the intervention. Good point. They made it seem like this all happened within the time frame that Lily disappeared from the group. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that is true. I was trying to figure out how long ago it had been, but I guess it wasn't that long ago if Ted had just thrown away the charts that Marshall needed. So maybe it was recently when Lily wasn't hanging out. All right, I'm going to go ahead and jump in then. We actually didn't get any emails this week. Our numbers are up. Oh, good. I haven't checked in a while. I also noticed that this has to be the most the narrator's ever spoken in any episode. Yeah. It a lot was of narrator really, really episode. long, like, big, long monologues. Yeah. Bob Saget finally earning his paycheck for real on this <laughs> show. Hey, I wonder how much he earned. I bet he made more than any of the... Uh, over the entire nine seasons, I bet he made more money than the rest of them. No. You don't think so? Because early on, I, I, bet he was get, I bet the first season he was getting paid more than all of them. I hope not, just to do a couple lines here and there. Could be. I, mean, I think but yeah, early he on. Is, he was a get, so well, you should investigate that. I wonder if there's a way to figure it out. Yeah, I'm sure it's reported information somewhere. It shouldn't be, but it could I mean, be. I think that's news when, like, like knowing how much actors are paid, like, especially when, like, seasons are renewed. Usually if it's groundbreaking, I, I don't think that they were ever... Right. We do know, that's right, we did cover that Neil Patrick Harris was making more than the rest of them early on. And then they caught up to him. Mm, that's right. Or I think they did. Maybe they didn't. Maybe just, he was getting raises too. I can't remember that part. Nevertheless, we start off here with the narrator reminding us that Ted has his own architecture firm now. And he was close to scoring his first big client, which was a bunch of cowboys who want to build something called Ribtown. They want it to be shaped like a cowboy hat. We get the reveal that Ted is in this interview with them, dressed as a cowboy. But we don't get any red cowboy boots. What a big miss. Yeah. I mean, I guess we just had them last episode, so maybe they didn't want to do two back-to-back. Oh, I don't know. There's so many things they do back-to-back. But, that... but yeah, he's dressed as a cowboy. How do you not at least have a shot of him in the boots? I don't know. I mean, he, he's he got a whole look going. The hat, the shirt, the bolo tie, a belt buckle, like... He has to have the boots on. We're just not seeing them. Could be. I don't. I think they would have shown them though. <laughs> so this points out, you know, how desperate Ted is. You know, he. This seems to be like the only thing even really on his potential 
client base. We call it a pipeline. This is the there only deal in this pipeline. Exactly. So he's trying to convince them that he was born to design this building. He just sees it, and then we cut to him at his apartment. He doesn't see it. He's and trying desperately, but he can't figure it out. <laughs> I like Robin comes in and just says, "Hey," and Ted's response: "What's so good about it?" <laughs> <laughs> he's having a rough time. Yeah, he thinks he should be designing concert halls, bridges, museums. Instead, he's designing a two-story Stetson with outdoor dining room on the brim. <laughs> he talks like, a lot like that in this episode. Yeah, he's real bitter. I'm kind of interested in this outdoor dining on the brim. That sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it in New York. I, I don't think we ever hear where oh, they want him to build it. Yeah. I have trouble seeing this restaurant in New York. It's got to be, so, it's gotta be mean, like Memphis or something. Right. That's a good point. Robin suggests he gets out of the house and goes to get a bagel. And then we get a cute little, yeah, like, that'll really help. And then he talks himself into the bagel. Yeah, sounds pretty good. So Robin suggests that he brings an umbrella. According to Galoshes, the weather clown, it's going to rain later. There's a little shade back and forth between she works at a place where there's a weather clown named Galoshes, and he works at a place where he might have to build a restaurant made out of a cowboy hat. All right, so Ted grabs his yellow umbrella, which we know will have significance down the road. And then he leaves. The narrator goes into a very long monologue, the basic message of which is the universe has a plan. And so they're trying to set up this episode of things have to happen in a certain way, in a certain order. Uh, It's not just what you decide to do. It's what you decide to not do. And this will lead to your future. Um, He also kind of makes it sound like all is based on fate. Yeah. I mean, that's basically life. (laughs) Everything happens to us based on what we do and don't do and the choices we make or don't make. Right. They also have him carrying the yellow umbrella, which, as we know, is supposed to link him to the mother. Mm-hmm. So they're placing all these things. Right, making us think that we're going to get the mother reveal at the end. And the end is being in the right place at the right time. They show him standing at a intersection with the umbrella. He gets a tap on the shoulder. He slowly turns around. And his face looks surprised. We don't get to see who it is yet. Right. And actually, and as the narrator's doing this, we kind of see him and kind of see the choices he's making. So he starts to go right, goes left instead, stops at a newsstand, stops and gives a guy a buck, and then ends up at the crosswalk. So we're kind of seeing, like, okay, here's the stuff that he did that's potentially leading to whatever's going to happen. Yeah, and everything he does has a backstory. So this is told in, right. I went in this direction, why? And here's the backstory. Yeah. Yeah. The first one, which is... He went right instead of left, and this is because Robin got food poisoning on the air at the news station. She threw open a designer's handbags. After she had spent a lot of time talking about how elaborate they are and how long it takes to make, and then... They're made out of the world's finest silk. And then she goes to grab a second one to presumably vomit more. Isn't very nice. But she bought them. (laughs) I don't know. We only heard she bought one. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Ted wants to know why she threw up. She jokes that she's pregnant, and right away Ted goes into I will marry you mode, although he still wants to see other women. <laughs> yeah. Ted's down to raise the child, but he needs to keep his options open, I guess. She said it's food poisoning. Three hours later, she was spewing like an open hydrant. I like this. From Ted where? said, From where? She said, <laughs> Well, that's a gross question. <laughs> no, where's the food from? She doesn't want to tell him. We got this sort of sick coming back and forth. You don't want to know. And then she tells him. It's Slagle's Bagels. Oh, you skipped way ahead. Okay, yeah, let's, I'm sorry. Let's back up because then Barney busts in and says, you know, put 
go to YouTube, put in Robert Trubowski, warning show vomit. Apparently <laughs> Robin, he put it up. Yeah. Robin asks, somebody already put it on YouTube? And Barney's reply is, yeah, someone. He jokes, are you pregnant? She says, yeah, I'm pregnant. And he has the exact opposite reaction and just flees the scene. And I thought that he was going to come back with a ring or something. Like yeah, when I, she was going to be deported, he started to get down on one yeah. knee. Yeah. So I, I He guess hasn't been lovey-dovey about her lately. He hasn't. And I guess we've seen similar reaction. Like, I think... Ah, I can't remember. Was it Lily was talking about getting pregnant or somebody was praying? Barney was immediately like, it's not mine. Like, so I guess that's just his good, his default reaction. He's to run away when someone's pregnant. But yeah, I thought that was going to come back around and it didn't. So he talks her into telling him what the place was. Yeah. And I'm, I'm back and forth on this where it's like, okay, if it's a place that I go a lot, yeah, I definitely want to know. So I don't go there anymore. Of course. But if it's a place also, I really like, like, what if it was like Starbucks? The places he's <laughs> like, guessing. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to think about it within reason. If it's right. a hole in the wall place, that's a non, like. Uh, and to course, be fair, I think I got food poisoning from a place, and I still go to that place. Well, remember Chipotle had all those issues for a while, yeah. And we still go to Chipotle because we trust that they fix the problem, right? But he's talking about places like the Indian. He's guessing places like where the Indian place where the cat jumps on all the tables. Yeah, maybe you and should meet there. The Spanish place with the baby's crib. And yeah, these are obvious big no nos. Like when I found that rubber band in a, when we went to go get uh, chicken finger or chicken wings. <laughs> Why don't I remember this? We went to a chicken place by University of Maryland, and it's a place I always really loved. And we got home to eat the chicken, and there was a rubber band in my chicken. <laughs> I do not remember chicken. this. Yeah, and I finished the chicken, <laughs> but I will not go back there. I have no recollection of this. We at took all. my cousin Aaliyah there after picking her up from her dorm. No, <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Okay, nevertheless, it happened. And, and you've never been. Back. I haven't been back since. Did you eat the rubber band? Like, was it deep fried? No, it was. Uh, it was pretty sauced up. <laughs> but it was clearly like from somebody's hair. Ew. It was like a hair band or a rubber band? Those are different things. It was a rubber band, but I gotta imagine it was holding somebody's hair back. I don't know. I I feel like you gotta be desperate to put your hair back with a rubber band. Like, that's not... That's not nice on the hair. Well, this wasn't fine dining or anything. At any rate... Anyways. So, it it turns out to be Schlegel's Bagels. That's (laughs) Ted's favorite bagel place. And I like his... I'm gonna have to try to find another place in New York that serves bagels. (laughs) A little cartoony, because obviously... Right. And then we go back to the fate narrative. Right. So we see normally he would have went to the right to go to Schlegel's Bagels, but he went to his second favorite place instead, so he went to the left. And then he stopped at the magazine stand on the way. Why did he stop there? We get to Barney's story. We're in a flashback at the apartment. Barney's showing Ted Bro's Life magazine. I love the name of this magazine. I mean, this is basically just like Maxim, right? (laughs) Yeah, but it's just so meta for this episode. (laughs) Does Barney own this magazine? Because everything's about a bro in the show, so. Right. No, it is funny. And Ted starts reading off some of the headlines that he thinks Barney's getting to. What your paintball gun sets about your personality. That last five pounds, how to get her to lose them. (laughs) That's horrible. (laughs) It really is. Advice on how to get your girlfriend to lose weight. It's so bad, but still funny. No, this is really about Petra Petrova. Is this a real person? This is a real person, isn't it? I don't it? think so. I Sounds real. I forgot to look up trivia. Did you look up trivia? I did. Okay. Just the IMDb trivia. Not like Wikipedia or anything like that. Okay. But, no, I didn't look her up, but I'm pretty sure she's not. 
a real person. I don't think they'd use a real person for this. Plus the name, Petra Petrova, sounds like someone out of a Marvel, like a <laughs> bad guy out of Marvel. But she's Bro Life's Magazine's Girl of the Year. Girl of the Year for May. For May. <laughs> That's weird. Girl of the Year for May. I think it's intentionally stupid. Well, I mean, I guess it's imitating Playmate of the Month. Right. And Ted at first feigns that he hates these magazines, but then when he finds out Barty has a day with her, he considers her, he considers him a hero. And there's more to this than just the date. Yes, this girl is the one. Ted agrees. Of course she's the one. You have to marry those. Her. But no, this will be Barney's 200th time, or 200th woman, rather. Well, we never get any definitive thing that he's hasn't been with. There's no guys sprinkled in there. But I I guess we can assume. Yeah, yeah, you know what? (laughs) Yay for inclusivity. I don't think they ever specified 200 women, just 200 people. Yeah, maybe 20 years ago they didn't have to. This wasn't quite 20 years ago, but no one would have thought there might be some dudes in there. But at any rate, everyone's kind of freaked out by this number, although Barney is eternally proud of it. And there's a lot of Barney comments wants a about... High five. <laughs> yeah, Barney wants a high five, and Ted will not, even if he was wearing a hazmat suit. 200 is too many, in his estimation. That becomes the running theme. 200 is too many. So is 200 too many, Jen? Now that your numbers I... are getting up there. Oh, how dare you. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, my number is a very solid, way, way, way below 200. Um... I was going back and forth on this. My gut instinct Because you and I try and be, like, sex positive. Yes. In how we discuss people who sleep exactly. with other people. So, yes, my gut reaction, yes, that's too many. However, if everyone is consenting adults and you're all being safe and doing things in a safe and consensual manner, like, more power to you. That is not a life that I would choose for myself, but... I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to be, yes, positive and non-judgmental on how other people It's an interesting, quote-unquote, addiction, if he is indeed a sex addict. And I don't think he, uh, that's interesting, yeah, I don't. There seems to be a lot of reasons why he does these things. One, clearly, he's trying to yeah. prove to this guy he could get to 200. Yeah. And the I other was the reaction to, of being dumped by Shannon. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons. His dad, la- daddy issues. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons why he acts the way he does and does the things he does. I don't know that addiction is plays into that. It seems more trophy yeah, than it is scratching an itch, fulfilling a need. Right. Or the trophy is the need. But, I, yeah, it's, it's hard to go back and forth in between. Is and that him, disgusting? Is that, hey, this is just their lifestyle and everyone's safe and agreeing to it? Although, to be fair with Barney, a lot of the time he is not doing things in a fully consensual manner. He's doing a lot of scams and, you know, getting people into bed under false pretenses. So, yeah, maybe Barney's not so good with the consensual. Yeah, there's there's a a little gray area between consensual and being told the truth, using truthful means. Yeah, we're not saying that Barney's, yeah... Like strong arm, which he almost never does. But yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. Well, let's 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 get off Barney specifically. I think just the the conversation of his two hundred too much. I think maybe for his age, if you do the math based on what Marshall says in a moment, we can summate that he's or surmise that he's 
39. 200 I mean, is a lot for someone that's 39, I think. I, I mean, I guess it depends how I'd rather often, hear someone 70. How often are you repeating? Like, and, you know, we saw Marshall's chart with, you know, he's not super successful, but presumably if he hooks up once a weekend, he could get to 200 in a few years. Well, yeah, that's a point. So, yeah, I think there's, there's a few different ways of looking at well, this. Well, that's the difference between is it too many or is it impressive that he's been with that many in 39 years or in 16 in his right. case. Um, I think Marshall makes a good point. It's not that impressive based on how many times he strikes <laughs> he out. He tries, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think there's any number that's quote-unquote too many. There might be someone, there might be a number that's too many from who I want to be with. Right. And yeah, that, that and would I think be you're probably in, yeah. based on my own insecurities. And, and I think age plays into it also, yeah, you know, a, if you're 20 versus 40 versus 60, you know, maybe that number shifts. So all listeners, write us, write into us and tell us how many you've had. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll discuss if, there, if there's anybody out there want, too many. Uh, yeah, unless you want to, and then we'll, we can judge you accordingly. <laughs> and if you're too few, just right, too many. I've only been with my wife, so. <laughs> Would that, that was true. <laughs> This week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Now we're getting too silly. So I don't know that we've cracked this. <laughs> Tyler but. just, we paused it. Tyler just came in and wanted to say hello. We're like, uh, this is not the right <laughs> time to bring time. in a kid. Mm-mm. All right. So, so yeah. So Barney the, counters. Yeah. I was going to say the consensus of the group is this is way too many. Although Robin does not ever weigh in. She only gives facts about the list. But Ted and Marshall are firm believers that 200 One, is One, she's too on it. Two, I think when her and Ted went over her list, <laughs> Ted felt like that was too many. He didn't say it out loud, but right. his reaction was, oh, I, I got your count. <laughs> right. Barney counters, there, there, can, there can't be too many of something wonderful. It gives a couple examples. I'll skip through these. And Ted mistakenly questions, who are these girls? And then immediately tries to, no, it was rhetorical, and Barney actually brings out the list. Yeah. And he has a whole, a whole to-do planned. He wants Ted to prepare a toast. It's black tie optional, but preferred. Gifts are unnecessary, but follow your heart. Mm-hmm. Marshall, as they're going through this and saying it's too many, Marshall comes in and says it's not too many. Barney thinks he's backing him up, but what he points out is what we were already saying is that if you go through the numbers, Barney hits on roughly 20 girls a week. Um, that means 1,040 a year. In 16 years of sexual activity, he actually hits on, or in the 16 years that he's been sexually active, he's hit on over 16,000 girls. He's bet at 199 of them. That's a success rate of a little over 1%. So his batting average is horrible. And he actually has these charts as he's, you know, Oh, that's right. He's got visual representation. I forgot that we already jumped into charts without actually bringing it up in the show. Right. So, yeah, he has visual representations of this data to back up his little speech. Barney says something to the fact that he's a hero because of the grand total. That's the only number that matters, not the percentage. The group wants to know according to who, and Barney says according to Matthew Panning, the stud of Port Richmond Middle School. (laughs) I like this whole Matthew Panning thing. That we're about to have go on here. So thankfully, we get a flashback to middle school, and Barney's having lunch by himself at a table in the cafeteria, and Matthew Panning approaches with a posse and accuses 
Stinson of being a dweebo who's never done it with a girl. I like how the guy has a group of kids that follows him around simply to hear him retell his sexual prowess to other sixth graders. <laughs> it's such a strange scene. <laughs> I mean, you were a middle school boy. They're kind of the worst. I don't... I feel like kids didn't lie about having sex in middle school. I feel like we lied about it in elementary school before we really knew what it meant. What? Really? Oh, yeah, because we didn't really know what it means. It was just... We knew it was better to say that you had than that you hadn't. I remember That's there was one kid funny. I will... No, I'll leave his name out. Yeah, don't, don't name names on our podcast. And he would talk about in elementary school how many girls he was sleeping with. What? Yeah, I'm and pretty sure in middle or in elementary school, most of us didn't even know what <laughs> that sex was a thing. Kids were sexually active in my middle school, but there obviously were not elementary. A very school. small handful in my middle school, but most of us were very judgy about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, by by the time I got to middle school, kids would really be bashed if they claimed to have crossed that boundary. Oh, really? But not Matthew Panning. So yeah, he's Ma- done it with a hundred girls. I like how he goes. How many times do I have to explain this? Why does he keep having this conversation with <laughs> little Barney? I don't know. He's done it with a hundred girls. They're seventh graders at his cousin's school on Long Island. Was, was there some reputation on Long Island for? I wonder. Middle school girl. Never mind. I'm not going down that road. Well, and then the, so this is kind of interesting. So little Barney makes this vow that someday he's going to do it with 200, but this doesn't really come into play until after Shannon breaks up with him. He was saving himself for marriage with her. You know, he was what 22 before he there's lost. Not his a, yeah, there's not so. a straight line between this pledge and him yeah. getting there. Yeah. So I guess he kind of circled back around to it once he decided to be a man whore. And Matthew Panning says, call him when that happens, when he gets to 200. <laughs> Barney really... And, and call him apart. Barney Will. He's going to say it again really slow. <laughs> and call him Barney Will. <laughs> so here's where Robin's checking out the list and tells Barney that he has listed somebody twice, number 78 and 162. Which means Petra's lined up to be 199. So Barney's got to find somebody to slip in there. And we get a montage of Barney trying to use his come-ons, schemes, in fast-forward around <laughs> McLaren's. So, and just, he is striking out because he's yeah, clearly desperate and Go creepy. away. You're creepy. I have Mason. I enjoy using it. I will. Oh, and then he asked Marshall if he can use Lily for this. <laughs> I would do all the work. Like, that's the issue. Yeah. Marshall says he'll end his life. So he comically runs out. Yeah. And then he comes back. He's disheveled. Yeah, Robin's still looking at the list an hour later. Sensing not a lot of ethnic diversity on this list. He should really look at that in himself. I wonder if that was a, sort of an inward comment about the show, that they, maybe they were getting accused of yeah, not having maybe. enough ethnic diversity. That would make sense. So apparently he had sex. There's a woman at his gym, Pauline. She's been after him for some time. As he's talking about this, he grabs ice from a drink and puts it down his pants. Yeah, apparently it was a bit of a rough go. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> um, she's not quite his type. That's he's never. That's why he's never slept with her before. And we get a cut to the gym, and he's complimenting her on her workout. She's making the same kind of grunting noises working out that Robin <laughs> was when she was in the gym. But she's yeah, you know, bench pressing a lot of weight. 
I didn't, wasn't even paying that much attention, but we don't see her at this point. We just right. see the weight going up and down. And she's on the bench press. Barney's sort of hovering above and offers that he is ready to do this. And she goes, okay, Blondie, time for Mama's cardio. And then flips him head over her ass, <laughs> you know, ass over head onto the bench. Are we to presume that they had sex there on the bench? I mean... Oh, that's a good question. I didn't think about it, it's that. It's a funny scene, but what, what happened here? Yeah, maybe they started there and then ended up somewhere else. I don't know. I didn't think about that. <laughs> he says that every inch of her tasted like roast beef and creatine. I, I'm not sure if he should have been tasting her if he wasn't that into her. I, I guess maybe it's contributing to the, the process of the sex. I, yeah... <laughs> no comment. I got. I'm I'm stymied here. I got nothing. You like roast beef. You'd probably enjoy her. I do like roast beef. <laughs> I don't know what creatine tastes like, but uh, I can't imagine it's good. Probably very medicine-y. Mm, more like proteiny would be my guess. Is that a lot different than medicine-y? I think so. Okay. Because it's like that powder stuff, isn't it? Medicine could be powder stuff. Well, never mind. I would think maybe chalky then. Yeah, that, that's a good guess. All right. Apparently, Barney is bruised and razor burnt. Again, been there. Um, Robin now noticed another mistake. He put 38, 138 in twice, so Pauline was now his 200th. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Ted says, you know what, just take the win. Who cares if Pauline doesn't pose for bikini pictures in magazines? Barney says she does. She's going to be in next week's issue of... Muscle sexy in the X has two Y, two X's and a one Y. Eh. I see what they're going for there, but. There's some sort of genetic slash trans joke yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. I don't care to get it. It's bad. Right. Okay. We're back to the narrator who says he stopped at the newsstand to check out the picture of Barney's 200th. She's a lot, we don't see a lot of her, but she's a lot slimmer then. Yeah, we get a view you would from think behind from later. How, how much she tossed Barney around. I mean, she's strong, though. She is strong, but yeah, she's a, sort Barney's of a... Barney's not a bulky guy. She's a svelte strong, not a big bodybuilder type. So it, so if not for that, that whole debacle and Ted's curiosity about He keeps saying to the kids like. they might not have been born <laughs> if these things didn't happen. Okay, really so rubbing that in. He has to give a dollar to a homeless guy for the next stop, and we get the backstory on that. We have Marshall having just started at GMB, talking to a colleague named Fran, who's in the art department. Yeah. And what does he want? He has a presentation coming up, and he would like some charts and some graphs made up. She, go ahead. So, uh, Fran lets him know that you know. They can make as many graphs, as many charts, and as many colors on as many kinds of paper as you want. I like Marshall's reaction. Oh, Fran. <laughs> oh, Franny, Franny, Fran. We are going to have some fun. Now, I, I've worked for big companies, some of whom have had art departments and such. Oh, really? And you cannot do personal projects on company paper and time. You wouldn't think like so, making but... making charts about... However, we already know Goliath National Bank is super shady, so maybe they don't actually care. So the first chart that he does are presidents in order of how dirty their names sound. <laughs> he breaks us out of the bar. Did you notice that the two Bushes, one is number two and one is number nine? Oh, no. I would have liked to have heard the explanation of why one's at two and one's at nine. 
I did not pick up on that. That's funny. We have the pretty good joke. People, here's the circle representing people who are breaking my heart and the circle representing people who are shaking my confidence daily. And when they overlap, Cecilia. Nice little Venn diagram going. And I was like, when I first saw this episode and probably the first several rewatches, I did not get this. And then randomly. Because you didn't know what the, the song. Randomly one day I heard the song and I was like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> so this is a Simon Garfunkel song. Cecilia, you're breaking my heart. Shaking my confidence daily. I'll see if I can loop this song into the... <laughs> right. But yeah, it took a while before I had any idea. I just assumed he was talking about somebody at work. <laughs> I just can't see how he justifies the art department <laughs> making this for him. <laughs> right. I do love his pie chart describing his favorite <laughs> bars and his bar graph describing his favorite pies. I have said this in so team many meetings. Times. No, you have not. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you say it here all the time. <laughs> but I try and slip it in wherever I can. <laughs> I get about a 50% hit on laughs. <laughs> That's it? Some people are like, what? This leads to an intervention at the apartment. And it's a pretty good one. They've had enough with the charts and the graphs. or Really any visual representation of data. And I like how he's like, I'm not an idiot. I know how you feel about my charts and my graphs. Charts and my graphs. But then he tries to bring out a projection chart showing how... (laughs) He saw this coming. (laughs) Yeah, and then how this will all rebound and they'll be interested in them again. Um, he says, this is going to be a big sustainable growth. And Barney says, you're a big sustainable growth. <laughs> We're back to GMB. Well, I just have to point out that any time that either of us is working on any sort of spreadsheet with a chart or a graph, we have to talk about charts, charts and, and, and graphs. Yes. <laughs> We're back at GMB, and Marshall has a presentation to give. This will include some charts, to, he says, to demonstrate how setting up a shell corporation in Bermuda could help minimize the second quarter losses and save some jail time. Now, setting up shell companies are, is illegal. It's illegal, yes. Yeah, so I'm a little surprised <laughs> that he's actually going... I, maybe the writers didn't know this. I doubt Marshall would go this far out of bounds to break the law. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but there, his charts are missing. And so he calls Ted. Turns out Ted threw them away. Ted says, that's how an intervention works. You wouldn't stop using. So he flushed your stash. And Marshall says that he needs... Oh, I want to get this right. <laughs> Marshall says, come on, Ted. I need my charts, man. Obviously acting like they're drugs. Right. Just for today, and then I promise I'll never use charts again. I'm under a lot of pressure here. I need my charts, Jack. <laughs> I like the Jack at the end. Right. Ted is flabbergasted. He's doing charts at work. <laughs> They're for work, you idiot. Yeah, this is a really good back and forth. Yeah. So Ted's got to go find them. In the meantime, Marshall's going to stall with some banter. And he launches into fish. Are weird, right? I mean, so we're going to revisit to a stand-up act. Yay. So Ted... Legit, like, threw them out, didn't just hide them. Like, he's looking in the dumpster for the charts. And we get Dan Castellaneta. Oh, really? The voice of Homer Simpson. Oh, I didn't know that. As Milt. Ted knows him pretty well, because he's like, excuse me, Milt? No, okay, I was going to say, that's not the guy that was next to Lily when she was trying to sell her paintings. No, 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 different guy. Completely different guy. Yeah, I guess he's just around the neighborhood. So... Milt says, these charts on my blanket, 
Ted said, that's also my blanket. We'll get to that later. Is Ted insinuating that he didn't throw that blanket out and that Milt somehow got into his apartment and took his blanket? I think so. Weird. All right, so Milt's willing to sell them to him for a million dollars. And Milt's holding firm on this. Yeah, he thinks he's really got something of value here. Ted says, okay, Milt, you win. I'm going to give you $1 million. I like how Milt says, urinating. <laughs> Seems like a very, like, Will Forte line to Yeah, it kind of does. Good point. Ted said the problem is the ATM, the alien time machine. <laughs> yes, and he just rolls with it. Yes, the alien time machine has a withdrawal limit. So he agrees to give Milt a dollar a day for a million days. That's 2,700 years, Milt says. And he got that right. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Milt. Doing some math in your head. So we cut back to GNB where Marshall's in the middle of his bit. Is there a land bass I don't know about? <laughs> Ted brings in the charts and he gets started. So we're back with the narrator who says that, you know, after all these things that led him this way and that, if he had known how it was going to end up, he'd be so grateful that he would have done this. And then we get him running back to every character in this story for a hug. Yep. Somehow he ended up in the right place at the right time. As a result, his life would never be the same. Then we see him running into Stella on the street. Right. And she has kind of like a contrite smile on her face. Like she knows he's not going to be super psyched to see her. Okay. So there's more, but let's talk about how this led him to having his kids. Go. Okay. So Stella is with, oh goodness, what is that guy's name now? Tony. Tony. And Ted's architecture firm is not going to work out. Tony feels bad that he broke up their engagement, so he's trying to, like, make it up to Ted. And somehow has a connection at, is it Columbia? It doesn't matter. With Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, what university? Yes, it's yeah. Columbia. Um, and so he keeps trying to steer Ted into, like, hey, I can get you a job teaching, and Ted doesn't want to do it. And eventually he does it and on his first day he thinks he's teaching architecture 101 he's actually sub- in, in econ 101 yeah i think it's econ 3 something oh, okay. or 5 something i think cuz it's 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 a higher level econ class that he he goes into accidentally and starts trying to teach and we find out later that the mother's in that class so i'm guessing the connection is that she at least had that recognition of like oh here's this guy for whatever reason, he made that impression on her. And so then when they reconnected at the wedding, there was a little bit more to draw them together than there would have been if they had just had Also, Rachel Bilson's character was in that class. Right. And That's she actually ended up, she ended up dating Ted. Ted saw the mother's ankle in her apartment. Right. And so, was and, okay, and, then and, realized. Left the, and then left the umbrella behind. So, yes, there was all these little right. linkages between them. But we never get... And maybe it happened off screen. But we, he would have met the mother anyways at the wedding. The wedding. Right. So none of that mattered for him to end up meeting her. Now, maybe off screen they're like, oh, and then you dated her. Oh, and your umbrella. Oh, and all. But they never showed right. that. So it's hard to. Well, so that's why that's where my theory was going was that there was that at least recognition when she saw him at the wedding. And so it's not just two people at a wedding. She's like, oh, you know, I recognize this guy. And maybe that was enough of that to kind of bring them together. Yes, I, and I, I tracked all that too. But I still think it's... they, they, they It's not a... They lean pretty heavily yeah. into that theory on this episode. Right. And they're trying to fool us into think, right, thinking right, right now that and Stella's yeah. still... And it's still possible that, you know, yes, they could have met. Regardless, none of this other stuff needed to happen 
they could have still met and fell in love. There. She's still the bass guitarist in a band, which she loves. Right. Right. And so, yeah, that's all that's, you know, when he dates Rachel Bilson's character. And he still punched out the guy that betrayed her. Right. In the band. Right. Your favorite guy. Andrew Rannells. It's a long time till we get to see him. Mm-hmm. He is my favorite. All right. We get a great last scene between Barney <laughs> and Matthew Panning, the stud of Port Richmond Middle School. And he seems to have grown up to, at least outwardly, be a decent guy. <laughs> yeah. Barney points out, okay, I've had sex with 200 women. I, I win. And he immediately has the same response as Ted and Marshall. Like, oh, that's too many. Yeah, have you sought counseling for sex addiction? Because you're a prime candidate. And Barney says, you know, those 100 girls you nailed in seventh grade aren't so impressive, huh? And uh, <laughs> Matthew tries to point out that... He was lying. Wonder girls. <laughs> I lied. Barney doesn't want to believe him. I was 12. Of course I was lying. I didn't have a pet Ewok either, which is such a great line. Because <laughs> it does seem like something someone would say around right. that time that that movie was out that they had a pet Ewok. Right. <laughs> and so Matthew... I wish that came up in that scene. <laughs> horrifyingly comes to the realization that Barney's whole adult life has been built around something he lied about when he was 12. Barney probably thought that he used the pet Ewok to, to lure women there. back to and his that's bedroom. that's why he... The teacup uses- pig later on. <laughs> so, yeah, Matthew is just disgusted. He's got to go. You know, good luck to you. <laughs> Great scene. But we get a little cutesy-ish ending where, you know, Barney's looking at his list, rips it up, and then asks himself, now what? And we see... You don't, you don't even have to keep going in the episode to know that Robin's going to be standing there and he's going to look at her. Yeah, exactly. We, we get a lot of these little endings. Right. These little buttons on scenes where they're like, oh. They're clearly... What do you pushing. love, Barney? Yeah. All right. That's that. Where do you think I ranked this? Oh, I forgot the ranking list. 37. No, much, much further back. I didn't like this episode that much. There were some things that I really liked about it, but I didn't like the whole, you kids wouldn't have been born otherwise, and there were some things that I thought it missed on. I have it at number 64, Mm, right behind First Time in New York. My favorite joke, I think I'm going with Ewok. I think I'm going with just all of Marshall's charts and graphs. (laughs) Okay, I'll, I'll give that to you. Least favorite is the X's and the Y, the sexy with the X's and the Y. You two? Same. Okay. Next week we have As Fast As She Can. I think this is a very good episode coming up. We have The Murder House. Oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think that's this one, isn't it? Because it's... Uh, that sounds right. Ted accidentally breaks up Tony and... Right. And, and Stella, and the whole time Tony's trying to help him get that job. Right. Ted, don't make the murder house. You can't make a murder house. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, don't you feel like something's a little off here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, off the hook, maybe. <laughs> Boy, this steak's really bloody. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Tony's really great in this upcoming episode. Yeah. Can't think of what else happens. Do we get Lily come back yet? I don't know that she comes back. I think she comes back once a season. Here's another bad Barney comment and then walks away again. Yeah, that sounds right. Maybe so. I don't think she's. Yeah, I don't think she's a part of this. Well, Roxy's snoring in the background. So yeah, I guess that's our that's cue a, to go. That's good out for us. Tell people where they can write to and find us. Find us at runklerecaps.com. Email us at runklerecaps at gmail.com. 
Twitter mm-hmm. at Runkle Recaps and Instagram underscore How I Met Your Podcast underscore. Well, I am in the mood for some ribs and roast beef and maybe a little creatine, so it's time for us to go. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be back next week, everyone. Bye. Until then.